All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the, the podcast that all may be edified, discussions on servant leadership. I'm Keith Pankow, and I'm here with Lori Mage. Just so excited to have Lori with us today. She's just a wealth of knowledge and just a wonderful person. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. For the last two and a half decades, professional life and leadership master practitioner and coach Lori Mage has been obsessed with answering the question, how do you live a great life? fulfilling her potential as a human being and helping others build lives and careers that they absolutely love. After years of study, application, teaching, and supporting others in growing themselves as leaders and human beings, first in the realm of juvenile corrections and later moving into the world of finance and corporate leadership, Lori has come to understand and appreciate that there's no higher aim in the human experience or greater good in the world than to become your best self while developing and aligning your unique passions, interests, and strengths in service to the greater good. Professionally, Lori has delivered hundreds of workshops and presentations of leadership, motivation, mindfulness, coaching, and developing others, hardiness, productivity, confidence, and more. She holds degrees from Eastern Washington University in applied developmental psychology and Gonzaga University in organizational leadership, and two professional coaching certifications from Coach Training Alliance and Optimize, respectively. In 2020, she started her own company so she could reach more lives through her one-on-one and group coaching programs. On a personal note, Lori was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest. She lives in Liberty Lake, Washington with her partner, Jen, and their two furry babies, Bowen, a handsome, sensitive black lab, and Max, a cat, a feisty little rescue. When she's not head over heels optimizing or knee-deep in a book on personal development, leadership, or human potential, she loves to travel, hike, and camp. The best place to connect Lori with is her website, which we'll share now and later in the podcast as well, which is at https colon forward slash forward slash www.lorimage.com. I first met Lori Mage when we were both at Gonzaga University. It was a wonderful experience for me. It was the time when I finally was given an opportunity to find a name for a passion that I had. And that name was servant leadership. I absolutely loved it. I'd loved it for a long time, but I didn't know what it was called. While I was at Gonzaga, I learned that name and I learned to learn more about it and to develop a greater love for it. While we were at Gonzaga, we climbed Mount Adams. It was a wonderful experience, but I had this epiphany while I was climbing Mount Adams. I realized that although less than half the class summited the top of the mountain, each person in that class actually achieved their own personal summit. And so it's here that I'd like to start our podcast with Lori, as I know she has a great passion for helping people. So my question for you, Lori, is how do you help people recognize what their summit is? And how do you help them get outside their comfort zone a little bit so that they can achieve their greatest summit and not stop at some of those false summits? Mm. (laughs) Wow. Great kickoff question. Uh, Thank you, Keith, for having me today. I really, really appreciate it. And um So, man, I think that there's some value in the false summit from time to time. You know, there's so much when I think about even our journey in our lives, there really is no wrong way. There's always learning. There's always growth. And wherever you pause, I just believe that that is part of your journey until the next is awakened. So the people that I work with, how do we actually identify the summit? That is like the the hardest thing that we work on and it's constantly being chiseled away at. Right. So I think we've all had that experience of like growing up. It's like, who do you want to be when you grow up? You know, everybody's always asking you that question. And I don't know about you, Keith, but when I was a kid, there was like just a handful of things that the counselor at school would talk about. It's like, oh, you could be a nurse or a teacher or a police officer, a firefighter, you know, dating myself here. But back when I was growing up, 
there wasn't people who were like out there on the nature channel, <laughs> exploring the world and getting paid to do what they love, you know? So I felt really limited in what my options were of, you know, potentially what I could do with my life and what's my summit. So when I work with people, they often come to me not knowing what their summit is. Oftentimes I work with people as I think it was, and maybe you can help me out here, Keith. I think it might've been uh, Stephen Covey or Peter Drucker that talked about the misfortune of life is you climb the corporate ladder only to get to the top to realize the ladder's leading against the wrong building. And I've heard that quote, but I couldn't remember which one gave it either. That's a great, great thought. Yeah. So oftentimes I think people follow, you know, what society tells them they'd be good at, what their school counselor, what some sort of assessment they took in junior high said they'd be good at only to get to the top and not be feeling fulfilled and definitely not utilizing all of their talents and strengths. So when I work with people, we explore, you know, what are some untapped potential that they're not utilizing right now? What do they love to do that they haven't told anyone about? What's something, you know, I just ask a lot of questions in an environment that we're just doing mental experiments, really. We're co-creating this little space that we can talk about these ideas really just to, you know, uncover what may have been covered up younger in their earlier years, kind of like the the ogre and Shrek, all these layers. <laughs> We're peeling back the layers to get back to their authentic truth of who they are and discovering what they want and what they're here to do. And sometimes that leads to false summits. And sometimes that also leads to something even more painful, I think at times, which is what I learned from Stephen Pressfield. He talks about having a shadow calling and that can be absolutely painful as well, because you feel like it's right, but really it's just off course enough that it's still satisfying. And that's almost always the hardest like path to leave is because you're probably getting paid well, you're probably good at it. It's probably serving a higher need, a higher purpose, and yet it's not quite it. And that's more of a shadow calling that that is like, I think probably similar to what you were talking about, Keith, there of the, the false summit. It's like, oh man, getting unstuck from that and potentially leaving the safety of a career, leaving the safety of a certain income and comfort that you've had before, the certain prestige of a particular title to go do what you now realize is your true calling. Yeah, that's that's a great thought, Lori. I just love it. I love that connection to a shadow calling in a false summit. I think, yeah, that's a strong connection. I remember standing at the false summit on Mount Adams, just woefully exhausted and having that realization set in that you weren't actually at the top of the mountain. And at first it can be debilitating, but then when you get going again, and I remember getting to that actual summit and it felt so marvelous and just pure joy. And I think a Facebook group that we tagged a ton of photos in was called the greatest trip ever. And it was really not necessarily the climb that was so great. It was overcoming that false summit to the real summit. So I think, you know, as you look at developing others, how do you help people recognize that they might have a shadow calling or be at that false summit so they can expand their horizons a little more? Yeah. Mm. They usually know. That's the thing is they usually know when they've hit it. There's some sort of emptiness that's kind of there. You know, it's you. <laughs> I just made you think of the false summit when we were up there, Keith. Did you know that was coming? Dr. Popa, he talked about it a little bit, but I did not anticipate it to feel the way it felt. And yeah. I didn't expect it to be what it was at all. 
Yeah, it was, um, I knew it was coming too. I mean, I helped organize the climb and the class and everything, and I had never climbed it before, but it was so much longer than I thought. And not only was it a false summit, but it was like downhill. Like <laughs> we got to this point and then we had to not only walk across a flat surface, but there was like a downhill part to it of stuff we just got up against. And then we had to climb again, which it was even steeper. So yeah, that false summit was... <laughs> really at the moment almost felt debilitating. Like you said, it's like, oh man, we just got to this and we'd already lost half our classmates, right? Yep. Yep. That's so perfect. I forgot that we went down afterwards to go back up and what a great metaphor for these shadow callings, right? Sometimes we have to take some steps backward to start to climb again, right? Yeah. And have you read the second mountain yet? No, not yet. No, I'm gonna have to look that up. So this is a a perfect analogy of the mountain that we're talking about here is that I think it's David Brooks that wrote the book, The Second Mountain. And basically he says, we go through our first life summiting this one mountain, the first mountain. And the first mountain is all about what he calls resume virtues. It's like having the title, the certain letters after your name, a certain income, like doing what society tells you is going to make you happy and flourish and all of this stuff. And you get to the top of the mountain and you realize, oh, this is not as fulfilling as I thought it would be. And off in the distance, you see the second mountain. And in order to go to that second peak, you don't just instantly jump over to that second peak. You literally have to go back down that mountain and start the climb from the very bottom again to get to the second peak. And the second peak is what he calls virtues. That's your virtue resume. I can't remember the exact term he used for it, but it's actually living a life of virtue. Um, And I would align it with servant leadership that you're contributing to life in a meaningful way by expressing yourself authentically, truly following your passions, your interests, your deepest desires, your skills, and contributing to the world in a way that feels meaningful and powerful to you. That's the second mountain. It has to do with virtue. I just love that. And I love the connection to servant leadership. I love, especially when we were talking a little bit before we started this podcast, I was talking a little bit about the privilege it is to be a leader. And especially when you're focusing on servant leadership, it's a great privilege to have the lives of others within your responsibility to influence those. And what a wonderful opportunity is to help people get over that first mountain a little sooner so they can start on that second mountain and become servant leaders themselves. Yeah. Cause that's scary. You know, you, you get to the top, you've had a certain level of accomplishment, but you're looking at that great distance and the gap between where you are and where you could be. And it's absolutely terrifying. And you question like, can I really do it? And you think you're a little crazy and the people around you think you're a little crazy. So it takes a tremendous amount of courage to go back down the hill, <laughs> the hill you just came up uh, to venture off into a new one that has unexpected, of course, obstacles and, you know, difficulties and challenges that come up along the way. So that is part of the joy of whether you're, I think, coaching and leading others is one in the same, and it is servant leadership. It's about helping people be and become their best selves. It's about helping them flourish and bring their talents and skills in a way that is useful and meaningful and contributes to the higher good. So as leaders, servant leaders, as coaches of others, which is myself, as teachers of others, it really truly is supporting them. I like to call it autonomous support. It's their choice, but I'm here as they make these decisions, you know, zigging and zagging up and down the mountains to reach that higher potential. 
I just love that. I, th- this is going to give me something to think about for quite some time. And I, I always appreciate conversations like this, and especially with you. I want to talk a little bit more about your business. It's called Happy My Soul, correct? Yes. Yeah. I just love that name. First, how did you come up with that name? Yeah. Mm, that's the ultimate goal in life, I believe, is in my terms to happy your soul. So what that is, if you're familiar with positive psychology and Martin Seligman and his work around virtues and actions and authentic happiness, that to live a good life, a life as he calls happiness at first, he called it authentic happiness. Now he calls it flourishing. And he says the ultimate goal in life is what the Greeks called eudaimonia. And eudaimonia has to do with the good soul. And the idea is that when you live a life of moral excellence, where you're living the virtuous mean of courage, you're not rash and you're not cowardly, but you're in the virtuous mean that you're practicing self-mastery and courage and uh, love and curiosity, and you're modeling these types of virtues, that it feels good to your soul. And that is the essence of the Greek word eudaimonia, is it feels good to your soul. And the Greeks also called it arete. I think that the Stoics called it arete, which is living with personal excellence which is basically what positive psychology has found today, that the human who flourishes is the one that feels that deep satisfaction of the soul. And that comes via practicing virtue. And so when I think about my business, it's happy my soul, because that's the ultimate goal. I'm trying to help people feel that deep sense of eudaimonia to feel the good soul where your, your inner soul is happy with your behavior (laughs) that you're, you're exercising in the world. You're demonstrating personal excellence and it just feels good. It's hard. It's hard to live with personal excellence. It's hard to live with arte expressing the highest version of yourself. And then it feels good. That is the good soul. And that's why we want to aim through our habits, through our thoughts, through our daily disciplines to create that sense of eudaimonia, that sense of flourishment, that sense of arete, the happy soul. I just love it. And I love the name even more now if you described it. Uh, Man, that's just such a wonderful thought. And I really appreciate that you connected living this life of virtue to sometimes having challenges and hard things, because oftentimes some of the things that are best for us are, they're not easy, right? It's getting over that false summit, moving on to that second mound. Those are hard things to do, to feel that. So I really appreciate that that connection was made there. Yeah. I was going to add that. I think it directly relates to servant leadership too. I think one of the challenges that people, when they think about servant leadership is that being helpful to others and serving others in kind of this, like really kind of meek, quiet, kind of just easygoing, kind of there as a supportive role. But for me, servant leadership is often doing the thing that may not be the most popular thing. When I'm coaching others, I think the difference between a really, really great coach and a coach that's subpar is that the great coach is practicing servant leadership. They're going to ask questions that make the person uncomfortable, that they're going to ask questions and they're going to probe and challenge their client, because they love them, because they see the potential in them, they are not aiming for what would be called people-pleasing, right? That I just want to be liked and I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to tell you, rah, rah, good job. You can do this, but I'm actually going to truly serve them by asking questions that make them uncomfortable. 
and putting situations up in front of them to have a mental experience that makes them uncomfortable. It's not uncommon for people that I work with that I'll say something to them and they'll respond back. I hate you. And I love you. (laughs) That that is a, that's a good response to get when you're pushing someone. I agree. That's, that's a great phrase to receive as a servant leader. I love the the thought that uh, Robert Greenleaf gave when he asked these questions, how do you help people become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servant leaders. I think that's important, right? Like we, we can say we're, you know, we're being servant leader and oftentimes there's these misconceptions as you mentioned about it, but proof is in the pudding as they say, right? What do these people then go on to do after you're done coaching them? It shows how you've impacted their lives. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I just love these thoughts. Now I have a couple more questions I want to ask you before we start to wrap up here. What are some thoughts or or resources that you would recommend to someone who's trying to become a more well-rounded servant leader? Hmm. (laughs) You know, because we went to Gonzaga and they specialize in servant leadership, we've both read the Robert Greenleaf material. (laughs) We've done all that. And I, I found this stuff good and I definitely was fired up about servant leadership. And what I found later in my career working, especially as a leader development manager inside of an organization here in the Pacific Northwest, those were kind of hard for people sometimes to grasp. And so what I have found to be helpful actually is a book called The Leadership Challenge, which we also read at Gonzaga. It was a huge resource by Kuznis and Posner, but The Leadership Challenge really puts things, I think, in actionable, practical terms. And I just absolutely love that book. And I think that one of the reasons I love it is because the very, well, one is they say the secret sauce to leadership is love. They actually say the secret to leadership is love in the book. And I think that that embodies the idea of, you know, what is servant leadership? It's love. And they begin by saying the very, very first principle in the book is to model the way. And I think that that is the essence of servant leadership too. Earlier, you were talking about how Robert Greenleaf said that, how do you help people become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servant leaders. And I think it starts with us modeling the way, how are you becoming healthier? What are you doing to become wiser? What are you doing to become freer and more autonomous in your own life? And that goes back to the leadership challenge. Now it connects it back. You got to model the way it starts with that. How credible are you? If you're not demonstrating health and wisdom and freedom and autonomy. It makes it really, really difficult to have a positive impact on others if you're not credible. So I think the leadership challenge is an awesome resource. Also might be surprising. One of my favorites, I highly recommend to everybody is Extreme Ownership. It's by Jocko Willing, which is a retired Navy SEAL. Fantastic book. And another one that I absolutely love is Lead Yourself First. And what I love about that is that it talks about solitude and the power of solitude. And there's just oftentimes, more often than not, when I'm working with leaders inside of organizations, they already know the answer. They just haven't slowed down enough to create the space to have that conversation with themselves. They have so much wisdom. Even you listening, you've probably experienced it yourself, Keith, that you know the answer if you just create the space to think through it. And so lead yourself first really is about developing moral courage through solitude. And it's just a fantastic resource for that. 
Yeah, I just love that thought. And I was going to leave my parting challenge to the listeners till the end, but I think I'm going to throw it in right there. So I think that's a great segue to the challenge for all of you listening is to really sit down, find some space. As Lori said, create your space that you can think about the leadership that you model. That's the first step to becoming a servant leader is understanding how you lead and who you are. And I remember in our Gonzaga program, I love all those books that Lori referenced also. So I should, I'll give a second recommendation to those, but we watched the movie Invictus as part of our servant leadership curriculum. And it was interesting to watch the movie about a rugby team under the vision of servant leadership. And there was a a quote that Morgan Freeman's character, who's playing Nelson Mandela, and when he's asking the rugby team captain for South Africa, who was played by Matt Damon's character, telling him that the country needs a unifying effort. So he needs them to lead them. And, and you can tell Matt Damon's character sees the challenge ahead of him. And so Nelson Mandela says something to the effect of, how do you get them to think they can become better than they think they are? Mm. That is the challenge. And I think the first step of that is how do we get ourselves to become better than we think we are. And then as Lori referenced, how do you see those around you? Do you see them as they are or do you see them as better than they are? And and I think those implications will drive our leadership. Well said. Oh, man. Any parting thoughts before we wrap up here, Lori? Mm, Yeah, I think the solution to every problem we face is leadership. Whatever challenge that's happening inside of a family, whatever challenge is happening inside of an organization, whatever challenge is happening in the world is a leadership breakdown. Either a leadership breakdown of self-leadership, not taking accountability, not understanding who you are, what you want, what you're here to do, what are your strengths, passions, interests, weaknesses, and owning that, or a formal leadership breakdown of not seeing the potential in others, not having a vision that we're all fired up about, not connecting and caring with the people on your team and coming up with creative solutions to the problems we face. I just think we need leadership more than ever right now in our world with the pandemic that we're in, challenges that we face politically, the challenges that we face, you know, socially, economically is leadership. And it starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with all of us because we can lead ourselves right where we're at and be a positive difference in the lives of those around us as we take ownership and be and become our best self in service to others. Well, that, that is a wonderful way to wrap it up. Once again, we've been here with Lori Mage on Keith Pankow on that all may be edified discussions on servant leadership. You can find Lori at her website at HTTPS colon forge slash forge slash www.lor. I-M-A-G-E dot C-O-M. And that'll be in the show notes as well, as long as some of these references that have mentioned throughout the show. Thanks for joining us and have a wonderful day.